We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. One of my very favorite things about this podcast that we do, this crazy thing that's almost at 400 podcasts, more news about that in a minute. One of the craziest things about it is when you guys start interacting with each other as a result of the podcast or interacting with us because of something you heard. We got two really cool responses just today. I'm smiling over here. You can't see me, but I'm smiling. Yeah. This Happy is awesome. Tuesday to you, by the way. We got two uh, great responses the last 24 hours uh, about our last podcast, which was 396. Right, and right. we had a discussion in there for Andrew. Andrew was, how do I put this? He was debating getting uh, a Fiesta ST for fun. Well, it was because of perception. It was because of, yes. am I too old for fun cars? Yes. That's the headline. Well, yes, exactly. Especially as a guy who lives in Davis, California, and, and had some pre-I. And we encouraged yes. you to get the Fiesta ST because we said, you know, why do you care? And also, isn't that kind of a stealth car? And you guys responded. This My favorite, great. by the way, is Alfred, who wrote in and said, uh, tell Andrew... Al, this is Alfred speaking. Tell Andrew that this 70-year-old couldn't be happier with his molten orange Fiesta ST. Yeah, I have baby. decided I want to be Alfred when I grow up. <laughs> no kidding. He's 70 years old. He said he's never had so much fun owning and driving a car. It is molten orange. He's 70 and loves it. Alfred, my hat is off to you. You can't see it. My hat is off to you. I think I want to be you. That's very cool. Totally. I hope that is a bit of encouragement. We also had another response from Charlie, and, uh, uh, Charlie K. NYC. Yes, Charlie wrote to us and said, I'm a 45-year-old married Brooks brother suit-wearing appellate lawyer who commutes 60 miles a day round trip within the boundaries of New York City. I love it. In a bone stock 2017 Fiesta ST. There it is. I love that. Car seat in the back, and he says, I can honestly tell you no person has ever asked or even commented on his car he said, it's not just stealthy, it's invisible, mm. which is great. Now, his is an urban camo, otherwise known as charcoal gray. So I, yes, I get it. Is, and that's what we recommend. It's perfect for New York, actually. It, yeah. Perfect. And that's the color we recommended, actually, mm-hmm. for Andrew. Yes. yes. So <laughs> this is excellent. I'm wondering how many other people, let's say past 40, mm-hmm. we'll say, you know, in the, you know, we're not in our 20s and 30s in our, anymore. Yeah. How many people are driving Fiesta STs True. as the... The stealth, bomb it around, you never know what yeah. it is, and it looks like just a European little economy car. I would, I, would, I would align with Alfred and get the molten orange one. But the thing I like about Charlie's story is he, he is a, a dedicated car freak, and he said his own wife, who knows he's a car guy, was like, why'd you get a little economy hatchback? <laughs> So it, it's, yeah. it's that stuff, so he's got Andrew. So wife you, approval. You really have no excuse now, so hopefully that is helpful. Plus, I just like the fact that you guys are listening. You're, you're catching things, and you're writing into us and saying, what about this? What about that? And honestly, even to the point, there are those of you that write in, and, and this is fine, too, that write in and go, guys, you were talking about this subject. Uh, you forgot these things. We're not perfect. We don't know everything. That engagement helps, too. I just like that it spurs engagement from you guys talking back to us. And speaking of talking back to us, Podcast 400 is recording Wednesday night, May 15th, right Mm. here in the Salt Lake City area, actually Mm. in downtown Salt Lake at a place called Broovies that is going to be a live celebration of Podcast 400. Come down to Broovies. It's going to be awesome. Come down to Broovies. Get yourself your dinner while you're there. You can sit in the theater and eat your dinner. Listen to us do the podcast. We are going to take questions live from the audience. We might even do a live car debate. Hopefully, and this is my hopefully. My, I'm, I'm caveating my <laughs> okay. hopefully. All right. All right. It's going to be live streamed via YouTube with super chat questions going as well. That's the hope. I, I got to figure out that tech in the next week at the location. Yes. We and need the to do other that, thing we are fact. headed toward is uh, the intention is to show episode one of season five live premiered to that audience after we record the podcast. It's going to be a very cool night. Please come. Registration is available right now on our website. It's donations only. We would love to have you. Absolutely. Well, we are recording this podcast a couple days early, so you're hearing this on Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Because of our travels, we're recording this early, but we are headed out to the East Coast very, very briefly. This is not the only time we hope to be out in 2019, so don't <laughs> worry. True. Very we are, true. We are hoping to make a, more of a meetup, but this is a very particular reason. And so we're coming out. We're in Middleburg, Virginia, mm-hmm. briefly today, yep. actually tonight, from 8.30 yes. Yes. to 10. So about 8.30, 10 p.m., somewhere in there at the Red Horse Tavern. Mm-hmm. It's right in Middleburg. They've got a Facebook page. They do not have Instagram, I've discovered, but they do have Facebook page okay. with their address right there in Middleburg, and uh, they don't close till like the kitchen closes till eleven. So if yeah. you're hungry, you can eat. Yeah. 
grab something to drink and hang out and talk. We're there, like I said, just a short time, but we do want to make it available. Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit central for folks in D.C. to the east. Yeah. And then uh, there's a few other cities, north and south. If, if you can make it, we would love to see you. You're, you're invited. But if not, of course, no worries. We yeah. just figured, well, hey, we're there real quick. Put it out there. And if mm-hmm. you can come great. We tried to post it on the social media channels ahead of this podcast. If you're hearing it, surprise, it's Tuesday and the meetup is tonight. We're sorry about that. We didn't get the details finalized before the last podcast was recorded, so we didn't want to get ahead of that. We tried tried to share it. We're sorry about the surprise if you're just now hearing it now, but we would love to see as many of you as as can come out. And as Paul said, this is not the only time we will venture toward the East Coast. We actually have another plan for later in the year on the East Coast as well, so that'll happen too. Yeah. All right. Well, we are jumping into a topic Tuesday that's pretty cool Mm -hmm. from Rich Cracknell in the Bay Area. Rich, I can't decide if you live in the Bay Area and you have another Miata in the UK and you don't live there or Mm. based on your story, I, I get the idea you're in California. But as part of a longer email, mm-hmm. after purchasing a 996 Cabriolet, you asked us as a Topic Tuesday, how do you ensure the used car that you buy is running as it should be? How, mm-hmm. how are you, what guarantee do you have? And if it's not a guarantee, how do you take steps to understand, all right, this is the car I'm buying. How, yeah. how do I get the yeah, yeah. real experience? And so not only does the thing run, it seems quite obvious yeah, you go yeah, through yeah. and yeah, check okay. it out at purchase, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but then how do you get the real experience out of it? And what I guess you mean is the feeling you get when it was new, when everything was running at mm-hmm. optimum. Yeah, you had yeah, the yeah. most horsepower out of the engine, you had the best handling, you mm-hmm, had the best mm-hmm. experience out of that car, or as close to it as you can get mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. buying a car yeah. that used, we'll say. I like the question, and I thought you could talk a little bit about your Lancer. And the, the Lotus. The rally out. Yeah. And the Lotus for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I bought a CPO car, so it was pretty yeah. much that was like a year old. Out, yeah. I mean, that's a given. You buy mm-hmm. one that new with that CPO, there, there shouldn't be anything to worry about. Yeah, Let's I, put it I, bought a, I bought an 06 Elise 18 months ago. I bought a. Has 20, it been that long? Pretty much. I bought a no 2010. Kidding. Actually, you know what? Actually, now that I say that, it's almost, it's almost two years. It's almost two years. Anyway, okay. which is crazy. I was going to say. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so I, I bought an Elise a little while ago, and I bought that Lancers less than six months ago. Right. Okay, so that's right. all happened. Uh, yeah. So got to anyway. get the winter tires off that bad boy. Uh, well, yeah, anyway. Or uh, grind them into I, dust. I've got, I've got, yeah, I didn't like those winter tires. Maybe I'll just grind them into dust. <laughs> Maybe and, that's the uh, yeah, exactly. That's, that's problem solved. Actually, has it been two years? It's been one year for the, the Elise. This is how much I love that car. Time is irrelevant. It's been a year but anyway, and a half, I want to anyway, say. Anyway, moving on. Uh, but right. the point is, I, I'm buying much older cars, okay? Mm-hmm. And, and, and here's the big thing I would say to this, Rich, is if you're buying a car used – have an expectation of what you expect it to be like and expect it to do. Because, yes, if money's no object, buy that used car, take it to a specialist for that used car, and say, do it all. Rebuild everything and make okay? me poor. I'll give you an example. There is, uh, the company used to be called Sector 111. is now called Inyo Kinetic, I believe. Okay, mm-hmm. They are the specialist of Lotus and a lot of other specialty right, cars right. like that. They have a refresh program. That you can that starts at five grand, which to be honest with you, I'm very tempted by. If I had that money, it'd be done. done you already. know, Singer has a refresh program. They're about eight hundred thousand dollars, so a little yeah. bit different. But yeah, they, totally. they do refresh but, cars. But in this case, they know enough about those cars. You ship your Lotus to them. You pay them. It starts at five grand, but you pay them five grand, and they do. They can do it all. They can take it right back to factory spec. But if you start digging into the menu, you can spend fifteen, twenty grand pretty easily. Now you'll get back a factory fresh Lotus Elise that may be ten, fifteen years old. But you spent 15, 20 more grand. Mm-hmm. I was thrilled yeah. to find a, tw- a 2006 for 30 grand and to be able to own it at all. Yeah. So I yeah. had to have clear expectations about when can I spend more money and what do I want it to go to. That's one perspective I'll come back to. The other one is the Lancer. The Lancer needed to run. It's my winter car. It needed to run. So what I started doing when I first got it is, well, I got winter tires. I actually think tires and, and you need to take it and get what would be like your own, even if you bought it out of state, your own kind of post-purchase inspection, if you will, and do brakes and do oil and do this kind of stuff in general. But then I put winter tires on mine right away because it was my winter car. Yeah, yeah. I, of course, that changed the way it, it drove, but, but I needed winter tires. And then it's just been, I hate to say it this way, but it's just been for the past six months, it's been, what does it need and then, okay. and then with okay. the Lancer, because it's a $10,000 car, what do I care to spend money on? That's the second step mm-hmm. past mm-hmm. just maintenance. And to start out with, obviously, if you're buying out of state or buying remotely, 
you want to ideally have a friend check it out or somebody you know and trust or a garage that you can find based mm-hmm. on forums and, you know, the car community. You want to get the car checked out. So, okay, you've bought it. Yeah. And beyond just the stuff that wears out the most the soonest, beyond oil and filter change. Yeah, yeah. Tires and brakes and suspension and steering components. And then you get to spark plugs and, you know, tune-up items, air filters, that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And, Rich, your question about how do I make it drive like it did. I'm going back to my 928. The reason I had to sell it was because of motor mounts. Mm -hmm. I had it, uh, oh, one, somewhere in there. And it was an 88, so it was already 15, you know, approaching 20 years old. And it needed motor mounts. They just Mm -hmm. collapse over time. And it was two grand for Porsche motor mounts. And I I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. I had to sell the car and I let the buyer know, look, the car runs great. It drives great. It's just the engine response is going to be a little bit crisper. It's going to feel a little bit different Mm -hmm. when you get the original motor mounts. And then come to find out later that Ford F-150 truck motor mounts apparently fit just fine for <laughs> you, far less money. And they and give would, those off away on the corner because they've got extras? Yeah. You've got to be kidding me. But then that's the question. If it's a Porsche, m- much of me wants to replace with OEM parts. But sure, sure, how, sure. how can we as mm-hmm. enthusiasts, how can we stomach that? Sometimes mm-hmm. the part is kind of cheap, but other times, mm-hmm. most of the time, it's blindingly expensive. You see that Porsche code on there and it's mm-hmm. marked up two or three times more from the dealer and you know, you've got to get it from Suncoast or where Pelican, that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's yeah. just yeah. it's marked up. So how do we how do we know? It's it's forums. It's digging into the community. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like Rich, that's what you've done because you've replaced tires. The wheels needed to be brought back into true. You've gotten just just the new tire change alone. I think the feel and confidence is yeah. a huge boost. I think honestly I, my opinion here is that if you're going to buy a car used, when you get it, oil change minimum and tires next. The tires may have plenty of tread wear, yeah. but you don't know how old they are. I know you, yeah. can, you can chase the date code. You don't know how old they are. You don't know how they've been treated. My feeling is just start fresh with new tires. Whatever car you got, do it. I got the Lotus in, and it had Dunlops on it that I really didn't like. I mean, knowing enough about how those cars handled and driving a little bit hard the first couple times, I remember when I first got it, I was like, I don't know how I feel about those Dunlops. I drove it hard a couple times. I was like, I really don't like them. Hmm. So even though they actually were fairly recent with a ton of tread wear on them, I wanted different tires, which is why I got those Indy 500 Firehawks, because that was a tire I do like on that car, actually. That was a tire I had heard a lot of good recommendations on. They fit that Lotus, which the the PS4s do not. So I thought, all right, I'm going to spend the money on tires, because I know that this chassis is better than the tires are allowing. But even if you Hmm. don't know how the tires should act on the car, I think if they... If you're buying a used car, there's a decent chance it won't have the tire the car came with. And I would say this to you. There's also a good chance if it's a used car that tire technology has moved on past whatever the OEM tire was to begin with. So put something new and fresh and and well-performance setup for that that will fit with that car. I bet you'll be revolutionized just doing tires. I'm making a list over here, Rich, because you asked how to budget to spend on refreshing outside these core maintenance activities that we're discussing. Mm-hmm. I think it comes down to how long you want to keep the car. It's how far you went back, mm-hmm. what what era, what vintage you got, yeah, yeah and yeah. then how long do you manage your, imagine yourself keeping the car? If sure, this is a, sure. I'm going to hand this down to my 16-year-old daughter or son. I'm sure. going to you know, keep it long term and then just add. Or you know mm-hmm. what? I just want a fun summer car for like 10 months. And then get rid of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We'll do the basics, of course, like we're talking about. But I'm making a list over here because you mentioned you you replaced the indicator stock, and you know it's gone from sloppy and sagging now to crisp and pleasing. And it's it's the little things that Mm -hmm. make that driving experience better. But it seems like you're investing money for that long term, Mm -hmm. which is great. And there are cars, and so my list over here is cars that need to be refreshed and have the money spent on OEM parts. And somebody's going to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was, I think there's a federal rule that car companies are only required by two years to continue to make parts for that car. That's you the mean after federal they quit law. making it? They just continue to make them for a long, long time because that's just good business. Hopefully, there, yeah. There's just money to be made. Yeah. But I think it's two or four years, so somebody please correct me. But, the, you know, good business is, you know, continuing to make these OEM parts. And so if you do that and we replace good parts on mm-hmm, on cars mm-hmm. that are worthy instead of just well i got the you know the the old 
whatever or yeah. the, the yeah. off brand and it's going to fail, but I'm only going to keep the car for a short period of time. What about the cars we love? Your Lotus Elise. Mm-hmm. Various Porsches have been done and singerized and mm-hmm. are coming yeah, yeah, back totally. in a big way. But what about NSXs? And Rich, you had one. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, you said the interior was better than the 996. That's very true. With, you know, very true. Quality yeah. and price point of the car as well. And, yeah. yeah. You know, the quality of what the company was doing at the time. But what about Corvettes? Various mm-hmm. Corvettes mm-hmm. that should mm-hmm. be continued to be maintained and revered. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. and what about the E30 BMW? And so my list is growing mm-hmm. over here about just cars that we need to preserve by buying the original parts for them or as close to as we can find to keep them going for future enthusiasts. Yeah. I mean, and, and, not that you're saving for the next guy. No, definitely not. Please, please, please drive it. That's our <laughs> That's number the caveat. one. caveat. That, yeah. We're not restoring these cars so somebody else can buy them unless you're in it to make a bunch of money, which, good luck. Yeah, helpful, helpful if you Drive can. it. Yeah. I, I think, see, the rabbit hole here, if you really want to follow the rabbit hole here, Rich, is after you, you cover the obvious things, then dig into what are the maintenance intervals for that car, Mm-hmm. And what are the, the the big things that may or may not have been done on that car? And I think you probably kind of have to assume they haven't. I'll give you an example out of the Lancer. I don't know the last time the more expensive than liquid gold transmission fluid was done on my Lancer. It it's two hundred dollars a gallon, and it takes two it gallons. That. that is the most the expensive fluid. liquid on the planet. It is crazy. It's got to be up there. It's got to be up there. Yeah, for sure. So, but here's the thing: I don't know the last time it was done. It may have been done six months ago. I don't care because it is so finicky and it needs this. And if it's not done right, it is even more prone to failure. It was the first thing I had done on the car. I had winter tires and that done. And I, and I told our great mechanics over here at Cox locally, I told them, I said, you need to find me this fluid and the actual factory OEM transmission filter. And they kind of looked at me like, can't we just, and I said, no, no. No, no. And then they started digging and they called me back and they were like, you're right. So they had to, they had to source this, this fluid. And the guy that was the tech yeah, yeah. actually told me that he had filled it to what he thought was about 90, 95%. But he didn't want to overfill it because he knew it was finicky. Mm-hmm. He took it for a test drive to let the level settle out. And the transmission was angry because there wasn't enough you're in it. You're kidding me. And then he filled the rest that he knew to measurement and it calmed down. You're so it, kidding yes, me. Yes, yes, So, But but that's a, a thing that I knew was an issue with the car that was finicky. And I said, I don't care when it was done. I don't care what the fluid looks like. We're doing it fresh right now. So if you've got something like that on the car, you need to, you need to actually go, this is a maintenance interval thing. This is a thing that is known to be a problem. I'm fixing it mm-hmm. currently. The Evo MR has the same yes. transmission requirements, yes? It yes? yes, it does. Is it the same fluid? Same fluid, same transmission, everything. It, the, the, the difference, and people have mentioned this to me, the difference is that the Evo one has a slightly different uh, programming on it that actually has an extra Sport Plus mode. Okay. But it's actually the same transmission, same transmission. in the it's rally. the same up, right? everything. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Okay, interesting. All right, so as far as your budget to spend, I heard a rule of thumb, and I, I think it was from our friends at Griot's Garage. It, I could be wrong, but I heard this rule of thumb, and it, it had to do with tools. And you're a car enthusiast or you're a woodworker or mm-hmm. something like that where you, you need tools, good tools, constantly for your yes. hobby or your business. Yes, yes. And the rule of thumb was buy a tool a month. Hmm. One tool per month. Okay. That can, you know, unless you need a whole bunch at one time sure, for a sure, particular sure. reason or a particular project. Yeah. But if you're just adding like, wow, the next goal that I could really use in the garage is blank. I, hmm. need, a, hmm. I need some good jack stands. Or I need okay. a good, okay. sure. whatever that sure, is. Sure. So your, your goal is a tool a month. So maybe for your car is all the things you've identified that are wrong with it. Yeah. One thing a month. Yeah. It's not too much. You're not going crazy with the budget. Sure. Of course, it depends sure, on sure. the part, yeah. how much it costs. And with a Porsche, you know, they're, they're going to see it yeah. coming. So mm-hmm. oh, yeah. it, it could be maybe it's two months depending on the part. But if it's just one thing mm-hmm. that I know I can accomplish and I set goals I for that, that. that. And over time, you're going to keep this car quite a while and continue to drive it. And the health of it is only going to improve mm-hmm. over time and the fact that you are driving it because cars need to be driven. They're oh, healthier yeah. when they're yeah, driven. Yeah. And, and I do think the other big factor is you have to, whoever you are, you have to decide, how am I using this car? 
is it my car that needs to run perfectly or is it my car that just needs to commute? And so right. I can ignore the fact that right. that door handle doesn't work right and this piece is a little bit – it sticks. It doesn't click like a lot, it should. Dance around the campfire you know, three times. That's, my belly and but that's the thing. Slide across the we, seat to We've get all in. had cars like that <laughs> yes. and it's not worth spending the money and hassle because what you need it to do, which is to be transport, yes. is acceptable. Okay, I would love us all to have pristine cars that are everything we ever dreamed of, but that's not always reality. So in, in the case of my Lancer, I am much more willing to be like, eh, I'll get there. For, I'll give you an example. The Lancer right now has a crack in the windshield. Yeah, it okay? actually happened. Happened in, one in of production. Our Whatever, it's it's fine. Yeah. Has a crack in the windshield. Do I like that? No. If it was the Lotus, I would have gotten it fixed the next day. The Lancer, I'll get it fixed sometime this summer. Sure, sure. This is the difference. It's a perfect example of what I'm talking about. The crack in the windshield. It doesn't bother my driving. Is it annoying? Yeah, it's there, but it's the Lancer. And, you know, in that regard, for what that car is costing, I don't care. So you got to figure out your usage and how much you care for the car you're talking about to fix every little thing. All right. Reminder, before we take a break, come see us tonight if you're in the D.C. area, Washington, D.C. We're out in Middleburg, Red Horse Tavern, 830 to 10 p.m. Hope to see you there. And also, while you're looking at the website that you just happen to be looking at, everydaydriver.com, that's where to contact us with your own debate or everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. But check it out, the Adventures tab. We hope to figure out the next East Coast meetup, but yep. you're looking at the pilgrimage trip. You, mm-hmm. it's, I, I'm playing mind tricks with you. You're, you're looking at the pilgrimage <laughs> You should be. You it's going to be amazing. You want to go. Come with us, honestly. We, we'd love to have you. Please, uh, we're going in 2019. The trip is happening. As a matter of fact, we have locked in cars at mm-hmm. this point. The folks that are going with us already, and if you're one of those folks, hi, by the way, update for you. The folks that are going with us already, we have all of their specifically requested cars locked in as of last week, yeah, which is baby. amazing. So RSR yeah. is expecting us. Those folks are going. We have speed, uh, seats left, and we would love to have you come with us. It'll be amazing. We're taking a quick break, and we're coming back. We're often asked how we find the cars that we recommend to all of you listening. Whether it's local or nationwide, our searches start with Auto Tempest. Instead of searching each car shopping site separately, you can enter all your parameters for the car you're looking for into Auto Tempest one time, and then you can search for them all at once. See results from Cars.com, Cars Direct, eBay, and more, or you can jump to Auto Trader or Car Gurus without entering anything new. Same parameters, new site. You can even search all of Craigslist. Think about how hard it is to search Craigslist nationwide, one at a time. Autotempest.com has got you covered there all at once. Autotempest can help you find your next new or used car, whether there's a dozen in your neighborhood or two in the country. Plus, the people at Autotempest listen to this podcast, and they're always refining the site for more features. They've got research tools, buyer and seller guides, and they're listening to what their users need. So if you're doing your own drive homework, you're chasing your dream car, or just looking to feed the disease as we are all the time, autotempest.com is your place to start. We have a very intriguing debate for the second part of the podcast. We do. It's, it's actually quite difficult, if I'm honest. It is. It is. So yeah. this is Matthew and Molly H. They are in Cincinnati, Ohio. Mm-hmm. And the headline for this email, I would say, is living in the moment. Yes, it is. It is. Matthew writes to us that he and his wife, Molly, have run into a hard time finding her a car. Mm -hmm. All right, Molly, we're going to shop for you. That's great. Love it. You're both listening. I love that. That's awesome. They're both 30 years old. They're they're in Cincinnati, as I mentioned. And in January, Molly was diagnosed with stage two breast cancer. And he says, you know, they they have a good prognosis. Mm -hmm. So that's not necessarily what this is about. But Mm -hmm. you can start to see the thread of... Let's get a fun car. Let's live in the moment. Let's yeah. let's. Oh, they're they're expecting throw practicality to the, to the wind. Totally, they're expecting saying. Molly to get out of this, which we're thrilled to hear. But yeah. but clearly, yeah. the first let's say half of this calendar year has been uh, completely involved in that process, which is mm-hmm. horrifying and difficult and expensive. All of those things. We're thrilled, Molly, to hear that you're coming out of that now. Absolutely. But she's coming out of it with a different perspective, which is, I should really have a car I like. <laughs> Life should be things yes. that are fun. Yes. And you've come to the right place when it, re- when it revolves around cars, for sure. <laughs> all right. So Matthew says all of that means they have a budget of about $10,000 mm-hmm. because of medical bills, because of a lot of things. We totally. definitely... Understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We definitely yeah, yeah. understand. All right. So the Todd limiter is set to twelve thousand dollars because <laughs> mine's at ten grand. What what's going on with this? This is what Chance keeps saying is Chance doesn't understand why the Paul limiter is always higher than the money given to me because they, he thinks they should give you a lower limit than me because then you're gonna blow it out anyway. By the way, it happened again. Somebody else wrote to us yes, they and did. said, uh, who was that? I don't remember. Back but said, I, I read You know, I wanted the car and so I spent ten thousand dollars more. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. They spent $10,000 over there. I couldn't me. go past this Paul limiter. Y'all and they spent ten me. grand and got a car. By the way, car they're thrilled with, which is what we want. Which is the whole point entirely. But, but it is funny how that happens. Spend yeah, more. They, they get s- what you really want. The end. You're <laughs> stop, welcome. Stop teasing yourself and move on. No, but here's the thing. The, um, so this $12,000 limit is one of – did I start reading the rest of the email? <clears throat> There's a lot of restrictions here. <laughs> I, I mean, think I found the perfect car, though. I, I, I've got a couple good ones, too. I think I found but the car. Good. Matthew and Molly, they, they say, you know, we want, she wants something fun. Right now, she's driving a 2012 uh, TDI Jetta Sport Wagon, and she likes it. It's got a six-speed manual. She likes it. She doesn't love it. She had an old uh, Grand Prix GXP with a big <clears> V8. Before that, she had a, 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 yeah, before that, she had a 2005 Dodge Magnum with a big V6. She likes having power and bigger cars. The, this Jetta was the smallest thing she's ever driven. So then they're thinking, let's shop kind of fun, maybe two plus two, let's shop fun. But then every sentence, if you notice, every sentence adds a new restriction. This car's out, has to do this. This car's out, has to do that. I'm going, I'm just just hearing in my head, Uh things get killed. Uh This is one of the more difficult because the laundry list of we won't do this is long. Yeah, no kidding. All right, so Matthew cares about lightweight and good handling. Molly cares about power and slightly higher seating position. <laughs> and they need good fuel economy since At she least drives you love each other. 30 That's miles. good, yeah. <laughs> yes. So she drives 30 miles one way to work, okay? The dream car for Molly is a Porsche Panamera S. She said it's perfect balance of practicality, luxury, and performance, and she loves the look. I agree. Molly, you're well done. Yeah, Your you and Paul are getting along fine. Yeah, for All sure. All right. So she would also love the Miata RF, although... Matthew suspects she just likes it for the looks and wouldn't like the seating position, but possibly not. Anybody shorter than us would be just fine. You'd you'd fit just fine. You just might feel like you're you're too low. That's the real possibility. Yeah. <laughs> she also loves big trucks, particular diesels, but you know the whole fuel economy thing. And she already has a '79 F150 that um, you know she's she's got the truck thing covered. Yeah. Well, and and, and Matthew, uh-huh. Matthew admits he should be. <laughs> working on the 79 F-150 as we speak, and he isn't. He has but, an 86 know. Pontiac Fiero project car, North Star V8. Drop that sucker in the back. Find an old <laughs> North Star V8. I'm telling you. Dude. Call us when you're done. Because I'll be honest, we don't want to work on it with you, but call us we, when we you're done. We do want to drive yeah. it and put it on camera yeah, after Yeah, for sure. Done. That'll be fine. All right, so here is the list. It's huge. 30 miles to the gallon, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. It should preferably be, preferably be a 2 plus 2. Yeah. They don't have kids at the moment, but hope to start a family shortly. It should have decent power. In other words, it can it can move. It can get yeah. out of its own yeah, way. Yeah. It can get away from trucks and totally, traffic yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Should be rear wheel drive. Maybe all wheel drive. But drive. they'd like to go rear wheel drive. Yeah. It needs to not have a low seating position, which kills Matthew. But the car is for her. Mm-hmm. Okay. Completely. Yeah. Somewhat out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully under a hundred thousand miles and post later than twenty ten, if possible. She would prefer two doors, mm-hmm. but that's not a must. She's probably fine with a manual, but Matthew suspects she she wants a manual. She, yeah, manual or automatic, theoretically, but probably wants a manual. Now, here's the thing. Those are the things we'd like. And then then follows <laughs> the list off. of cars we will not consider. Gu- guys, I'm just going to stop real quickly here, <laughs> both of you. This list, you're going to have to cave on some of it. I, I think I think you have to cave on some of it. I don't think we're gonna we're gonna find the perfect car that adheres to everything. But I love the the specificity of what you're giving us here. I also have to to give the list of things that they will not get: Mustangs out, Z cars out. Uh, let's see what else have we got in here. Oh, no BMW, completely off the table. Hyundai Genesis Coupe also out. I mean, we're just we're we're knocking out cars that at least would have come up in discussion. They're all gone. They're all gone. All right. Matthew works for a major airline, so that means they can fly anywhere in the U.S. to mm-hmm, get the car mm-hmm. and drive it home. Yep, yep, yep. Close to home is nice, but they've always wanted to do a cross-country road trip. Like that. That'll be cool. And they hope to purchase the car over summertime, mm-hmm. so here we go. <laughs> Matthew and Molly. Molly, I should say. Yes, for I, sure. I think I found your car. I think I did. Because Interesting. Because I am going to work hard on the $10,000 price cap. I'm working hard on it. Good for you. For you. I, I've, I've got one I like quite a bit that I think might be the car, but I want to talk through some others before we get there. But it keeps going. I'm going to start with first generation 986 Porsche Boxster. Get them for 10 grand. That's on my list. Lovely. It's on my list. Great cars. Get them under 100, 100K. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
They're older than 2010, but that's they, a place to cave. It's a place to cave. And even if it has 100,000 miles on it, okay. Yes. And I say, okay, it's it might require a little bit of maintenance. But Probably will. But you own a Porsche Boxster, and the two of you bombing around in that mm-hmm. thing? Mm-hmm. Sweet. She's admitted Porsche love with the Panamera. That's exactly why it's on my list. You and I have both came up with that one for the exact same reasons. I think you got to go look, guys. Come on. I've toyed with the idea of the Toyota MR2 Spider. So that is the W30, the third generation from yeah, 99 to yeah. 07. Mm-hmm. Rather small, still very, mid-engine, very. fun, reliable. They're very inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Get them easy under 100K. Yeah. Go cornering. Go have a blast in that thing. But I do think I found your car. Good. Good. It is a Mazda RX-8. Interesting. From 2002 to 2012, these were built for 10 years. And if you go towards the later part of the mm-hmm, run in mm-hmm. 09, you can get the RX-8 Sport with 54,000 miles for seventy nine ninety. Okay. Or in Pittsburgh, I found you a 2009 R3 with 45,000 miles That's the one for you want. 10 nine. That's the one you want I right there. I bet you they'll take 10 on the nose, yep. drive it home from Pittsburgh. I like that. Now, I wonder about the seating position in that car. It's it's the but, only thing mm-hmm. that is not quite checking the box. It's a well, little bit lower. Yes, it is low. Well, but here's the thing: they also want thirty miles the gallon. They also I mean, they're, they're, there's there's a lot of restrictions here. And, I, and I'll be honest, none of my choices exactly match all the restrictions, but a lot of them get close. I think you're going to have to have some give and take there's, here. I like the RX8 a lot. I think that's really interesting. Now, I think the later cars are going to be golden. RX-8s are known to be awesome for 300 million miles, or they blow up in the first mile. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, which did you buy? You well, know, we, we've talked I, about I kid, it when, but we talked you know about what I mean. we, when we drove them. Uh, you could line up six RX-8 owners, and half of them be like, my car just runs. And the other half would be like, yeah, I've chased my in- replaced my engine twice in the first 100,000 <laughs> yes. miles. So yes. it, is a, it is a gamble in that regard. I do like that one a lot. That's good. That's Sheesh, very good. What if Mazda built the RX-9 right now with... Great Mazda styling going on. Why don't they build it and without the, the rotary two, engine? I'm without just the rotary, put a put a put the put the Miata turbo. motor in there. Sure, yeah. drop a turbo on that mm-hmm. sucker. Yeah, and the new styling two plus two. I bet you that would sell like crazy. Think about the motor in the CX nine. That's a little sky active motor, but that lot, is a surprising amount of amount of power. Anyway, yeah, we're off into the Mazda Dang p- product planning. Anyway, I like this. I like this. Uh, guys, I'm struggling against the restrictions, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have some discussions for you anyway. I like the RX-8. You don't want the Hyundai Genesis. Maybe the 86 is for you. Go drive it. Go drive it. Okay, I think the seating okay. position is just too low. That car's really low. The gas mileage is right. The price is right. I mean, 12, you, 12 is your, your capper. Well, you 12, is the, with I 12 is the bottom end of those right now, and you may not yeah. like the ones you're looking for for yeah. 12. So that may be out right away, but I think it it's worth looking at. But honestly, nothing says I am living life now and don't need practicality like <laughs> buying a two-seat Roadster. So I love that you brought up the first-gen. <laughs> Let's get a used Porsche. The first-gen <laughs> Boxster, because I think that is a viable candidate. I, I think so. Uh, Matthew, you mentioned that you have a 500 Abarth. I want to circle back to that real quickly because yes. you've said she would like high seating position. What does she think of that Abart? Because that's the thing it does really well in the hot head segment <laughs> is have that high seating position. It does cover the list here. You know, but I really thought about the uh-huh. I thought about your differences, Matthew, between you and Molly. You want small and light. She actually wants higher seating position and power. These are not the same request. But we're hoping for a unique car. Mm-hmm, I think I may have found something. A unique car, 2 plus 2, powerful. So I'll be honest, right there, I'm kind of, I'm not completely throwing out miles per gallon, but I'm going, you have a 30-mile commute. I'm going to get you decent gas mileage, but not great gas mileage. I'm okay. throwing out the gas mileage. But I had this thought. I have to go back past 2010. By the way, because you've got $10,000. we got to go older cars, guys. we got to go older cars. Yeah, that, that's necessary. But okay. you know what you could get? You don't see very many. They have power. They absolutely have a sports car chassis. Okay. You can get it automatic or manual. Okay. Powerful, fun, interesting, unique Pontiac GTO. The 04 to 06. <laughs> Powerful engine. Corvette running gear. You don't uh, see them yeah. very often. $10,000 to $12,000 in your pocket. I went looking. You have your choice, guys. You got your choice. It's bigger than Matthew would want. <laughs> But I look at the stuff that you used to own, Molly. It's smaller than most of that, but still has higher, more car-like seating position than a true sports car, like like a little tiny sports car. It doesn't have that feel. So you're going to sit up a little higher. You've got engine power. I think that may be your car. 
Pontiac huh. GTO, with the exception of how old it is and the miles per gallon, I think I've checked almost every box. Now, that is interesting because I have a friend here in Park City. Mm-hmm. He owns an 04, and he bought it with uh, something like 140,000 miles. Mm-hmm. He got it for eight grand, drove it back from Montana, I think. Now, he's the guy that loves to work on Pontiac. He's the Pontiac guy. Yes, he, he is. He yes, rebuilds he is. his own engines. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. two-week vacation, what does he do? Most people go to a nice hotel somewhere, and they go yeah. to Hawaii or somewhere. He rebuilds his engine yeah. and makes it 800 horsepower or whatever. <laughs> but he got one, and he's not phased by the mileage at mm-hmm. all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Loves it. He's starting to drive again. And he told me this morning on his way to work that he had to teach an Audi Q5 a lesson and had to spank it. So he said, I looked down, and I was going 130, and he nearly spit his coffee out. So there you go, 420 horsepower yeah. in a GTO stock, 140,000 miles. He loves it, runs great, mm-hmm. and it's fast. It's very fast. But you're right. The the gas mileage is not going to be very good, but the pleasure, you, we have to trade but, but gasoline a, but for smiles. But it's the six-speed in that, that era Corvette. Mm-hmm. Which means you mm-hmm. run it in sixth gear on your commute. You're going to get in the twenties. I'm not going to get you thirty, but you're going to get in the twenties. You <laughs> we're, are. We're selling you here. I'm trying. Yeah, so anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I, I okay, started I like thinking that. through the I list, like and I landed there. I like your RX-8. I'm going with the Pontiac GTO, guys. Tell us where you wind up because I'm excited to hear. Thanks for writing. Give us your own car debate. EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com. We're jumping straight to audience questions mm-hmm. on social media, and I want to start out with Garrett Johnson's question on Facebook: What makes driving worthwhile for us? Hmm. That's good. Is it a therapeutic session where all the factors fade away? Or is it a thrill-seeking hunt for the fastest experience on a back road and track? Where I'm at now with the show and with as many cars as we've driven, okay. it's it's small things. It's, it's taking the roads that you and I know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and putting new cars through the, the line that I know. Oh, okay. Sure. And, sure, and sure. extracting, is there pleasure to be had in this mm-hmm. car? Can I do it faster? Do I, am I more excited? Is the car alive around me or is it not? Mm, interesting. Okay. But generally speaking, Garrett, it's, it's the therapy. It's the session for me. It's the getaway. It's mm-hmm. the, and it's also, it's allowing myself to say, I'm spending money on gas. Mm, I like that. For no other reason like than to make me happy mm-hmm. and to mm-hmm. go for a drive. So I give myself that permission, fill the tank, and I'm gone. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's excellent. I'm actually more with you. I, I would most of the time prefer a quiet canyon road than a track. I feel like tracking is one of those things yeah. that I thoroughly enjoy. Yes, yes. But I personally like the getaway feel of I'm out here on a back road mm-hmm. more than let me look. I'm going to paint this darker than I mean. What's the worst thing about driving? Well, being in traffic, fighting for yeah, your spot. Yeah. To some degree, that carries over to your track day. Because you probably drove okay. through the big city area to get to the track, and now you're on track with other people, and you're fighting to get right there. Hmm. Now, hmm. it's totally different. Don't get me wrong. There's an adrenaline rush. I'm not equating tracking with being in traffic, but there's an adrenaline rush that is related to tracking that is amazing. I love the the precision. I love it. I love the competition of it. All of that's great, but ultimately, you are still on sub-level fighting with other people for tarmac like you are in all of your commute situations. There's a, there's a, yeah. there's a similarity. There's a connection there, even though they're not the same. When I'm point. on a back road in a mountain, mountain road in the mountains, a little bit of snow off in the distant peaks... Yeah. That's that's almost heavenly right there. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's away really, from really traffic. cool. Exactly. Exactly right. And I think you and I are both willing to fight through the traffic to get to the place, even mm-hmm. for an hour, hour and a half. Totally. Totally. To get to the place where there's no traffic mm-hmm. that now yeah, I've been in the car for ninety minutes, but now I've got clear road ahead of me. Yeah. And, look, and my driving changes. Yeah. Look at this corner. Look at this overlook. And mm-hmm. get somewhere where you can pull off on an overlook and get out of the car and just be like Whoa. Mm-hmm. Love that. That's yeah, awesome. for sure. All right. Uh, any memorable pubs in our travels from Francois Poirier? <laughs> <laughs> it's not a pub. It's a restaurant, but it has to be Sabine's restaurant in Germany. It's called Piston Klaus. The kinds her family. Of, her family, yeah, yeah. Yeah, her family's restaurant. And, and the kinds of memories that that restaurant is full of. And Big time. The atmosphere, because nobody there is sad. Not one person is just there to have dinner. <laughs> well, what restaurant should we go to, honey? I... 
guess we'll we'll go to Piston Klaus again and just that's an interesting everybody's point. Everybody's freaked out in the that's stories. An interesting and point. Jazzed and the adrenaline carries over into your meal and yeah, that's great. You know, wrapping that's up the really day, good. so it, it is a bar in there, so it kind of counts. But I like I'd that. Say that's a Piston good Klaus. answer. That's a really good answer. I like that a lot. That's very good. Uh, Scott M. Peters asked on Instagram, "Do we uh, do our own tire rotations, or do we take our wheels every time to get rebalanced?" He says he's normally doing it himself. Scott, so am I. But I will also say this: most of the time, my tire rotations are coinciding with me swapping wheels for winter and summer anyway. Mm. I mark them when mm-hmm. they come off. This came off right front. It needs to go. You know what I'm saying? So I mark them anyway so I know how to swap them. So I've got two full sets of wheels, and I'm rotating them as I swap tires out. Mm. Now, the other thing that happens is about two rotations, I've worn the tires out anyway. So at that point, I'm getting new tires, and I'm getting them rebalanced as it is. I would say don't go years and years and years and years and haven't replaced your tires or ever gotten them reset. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, You might want to get everything looked at. But uh, I'm doing enough rotation with two different sets of tires that I feel confident that by the time I get back around to, I guess you get that tire change. Like my, my wife's Cayenne, the winter tires are about to come off of it. And uh, those tires will not see another season. So those yeah. that, that whole and tire and wheel set, three or four, yeah, right? The, that whole tire and wheel set will get completely reset, rebalanced, and then they'll be put on again in the winter. Geese one RBM on Instagram asks, "What do we think is the state of the enthusiast community? Hmm. Is it growing? Is it shrinking? Is it staying the same? If it is shrinking, what do we think the peak years were? Interesting. Okay, this could." Almost be a topic Tuesday in and of itself. And I think you and I would disagree. <laughs> I think we would disagree. Well, think about this. Teslas yeah. and what Teslas and electric cars in general have now done to bring people who never would have thought they loved driving, but they love it for different reasons. Are they enthusiasts? Mm. I think so. Okay. I very much think so. Because they've discovered and they love their car and they love the community and the entire hmm. lifestyle surrounding electric cars. Do we count them as far as the, hmm. the air quotes enthusiast community? Interesting question. Are they in there? Do we have to question. redefine enthusiasts now? Because there's the stance guys of, of Salt Lake. Yeah. There's the yeah. Yeah. you know drag racers. There's the track rats, the corner carvers, drag racers. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. On and on. I mean, from racing. There's NASCAR. There's IndyCar. There's Formula One. There's Le Mans. Yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. know, the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. There's name your flavor. We're yeah, all enthusiasts. Yeah, yeah. But now electric cars are kind of making fans of people that just thought, well, I just need an economical car. And I'm, what's yeah. this whole electric thing? Okay. And I've discovered acceleration. And this is awesome. Interesting point. I, I yeah, Okay. I think there's Do a, we count them? Do we include them? I, I would say in the broadest sense, in the broadest sense, what you and I want is we want you to love your car and care about what you're driving. So mm-hmm. if you if you love your car, even if I it's donked out and I'm like, what on earth? But you love it, <laughs> okay? Yes. Then yes. I have respect for you for the fact that you love it that much and you, and you wouldn't want to drive anything else. It's not my thing at all, but I respect that. So if somebody really loves the car they drive and they care about the car they drive, I call them an enthusiast, and I respect that. The Tesla thing's a gray area, and here's why I say that. Okay. I, I, it, in my experience, there are, there are exceptions. I, we know guys that are, that are hardcore enthusiasts, track guys, guys with a huge line of amazing cars in their garage, and they now have a Tesla, and they love it. They are, I feel like those folks are branching out into finding new things about new technology that relates to cars that they love. Conversely, I know a good number of Tesla owners who have never liked or cared about any car they drove prior to their Tesla. It was just another, it was a toaster. Mm-hmm. It was another appliance they owned. It's kind of what I'm talking about. And now they own a Tesla and I and I in my experience they are so excited about Tesla. They don't like cars. They like Teslas. You couldn't okay. sell them a Bolt okay. ever. You couldn't okay. sell them a Bolt. Fair they enough. don't want a Leaf. They are they are a fan of the brand and the ethos. They are not a fan of Cars. Okay. All right. All right. And 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 those folks, I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure where to place them because I don't sense from them car enthusiasm. I sense from them Tesla enthusiasm. And Tesla makes great cars, interesting cars to drive. But I don't see them as like now they like cars. Because when I've talked cars in general with with the these this segment of Tesla ownership, I'm not saying it's all Tesla owners, this segment of Tesla ownership, they glaze over and don't care. Mm-hmm. They just want to talk about the fact that Tesla did this this week. So it's an interesting thing. I, I think, for better and worse, 
like everything else in culture right now, I'm painting with a broad brush, car enthusiasts, I don't know that the group is growing, but I think those of us that are there are embedding further. Interesting. You have, you have your faction. Whatever your faction is in life, I feel like all of our factions were just embedding further, which is causing a little I'm, – I'm, this is political as I get – causing a little bit of problem with us, I don't know, being people and having conversations because we're all so <laughs> factioned. But, but I think right. in cars, if you like cars, you're getting more and more embedded in the fact you like cars. I am guilty of this, but I'm happy to talk to you if you don't like cars. Honestly, I, I have to use the manual transmission as a measuring stick. Interesting. Okay. And – Based, I mean, this is not an empirical study with statistically significant evidence to prove my theory about manual transmissions. You're being anecdotal. Showing, of course we are. Of course we are. That yeah. I think that the enthusiast community is about the same. Okay. And manual transmission showing that even though we're squawking louder and louder because of the lack of choice to choose manual okay. transmission, okay. it's still not enough for car companies to introduce manual transmissions on more models. Mm -hmm. They still might, but it's not enough people and it's not loud enough still to make BMW say, okay, we'll give everybody Mazda, Toyota, mm. everybody. It's it's some, and we've had a podcast where we've named a lot of car companies that still offer manual transmissions. Yeah, we yeah. named at least 17 cars currently for sale now mm -hmm. that you can buy a manual with. So it exists, but I don't think it's... I don't think it's growing necessarily. I think it's just kind of morphing and staying the same okay, and people okay. that discover it. And then there's other people that drop off for whatever reason, mm -hmm. life, family. You know, I can only get my enthusiasm through car magazines or TV sure, shows. Sure, or sure, sure. We've all been there. So it Absolutely, just kind of yeah. ebbs and flows, I think. But yeah, I, I'm yeah, using yeah. the manual transmission as my, as my measure stick. Point. That, I see that. I and see that. Uh, I, I think it's just kind of not stagnant, but just kind of floating right now. This makes me think about... Something we should discuss. Okay. Car appliances, and I'm going to call out one specifically okay. that we have as a press car. Mm -hmm. We have it as a press car. <laughs> because of our schedule, we aren't going to be able to do a fast blast. And I actually think, to this car's credit, benefit, we're not doing a fast blast. <laughs> uh, I, but, but, I, but I want to unpack this a bit. Okay. All right. Okay? I'm glad you're going here. We have. We have. Okay. Okay. Let me back up. I own a Mitsubishi product. <laughs> I own a Lancer Rally Art. Yes. We have been given brown. I don't like brown. I know I'm an automotive journalist. I don't like brown. We've given it, a, a, it's, it's just brown, a brown Mitsubishi Outlander Sport. Now, let me clarify. Mitsubishi has, and I also don't know any other car maker that does this, by the way. Maybe I could do it with the Yukon. I'll get there in a second. Okay. But Mitsubishi has the Outlander and the Outlander Sport. The Outlander is a large three-seat. The Outlander Sport is a small two-seat. It's the same name. Mm. Now, you could say Chevy Yukon and Yukon XL. You mean row, two row or three row? Two, sorry, talking. yes, 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 yes. Gotcha, yes, gotcha. Yeah. The Outlander is a three row. Right, right. The, yeah, the Outlander is three row. The Outlander Sport is a two row. <laughs> um, Sportier. There's less. There's that. And, it's not, it, and don't get me wrong. It's not like they have the Outlander. It's the same styling and they just took the rear bench out. It's different styling. It's different size. Mm -hmm. Okay, so it's mm -hmm. essentially two cars with the same name and a sport designation to clarify them. I find that really odd, but uh, you're restraining is, yourself. This is Mitsubishi's uh, yeah. best-selling car that we have. It's their best-selling car. Mitsubishi is. I, I read press materials. They are excited about how much growth they're seeing right now in the U.S. They sold over a hundred thousand cars in the U.S. last year. They did. Sold over 100,000 cars in the U.S. last year. And this Outlander Sport that we have is their, is their best-selling car. Oh. Here's my problem. It's $30,000. The tech and look in it, you brought it up, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land it. The tech and look in it, my car's a 2010, which means it was being developed probably in about 05, 08. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. tech in this car feels like it's maybe two years beyond my car, and the switchgear and materials are the same. Yeah, this is the headspace. This is My the headspace. car's a 2010. <laughs> this car feels like it might, it might be a 2012, and it's brand new. And it's $30,000, which means you didn't get, you didn't get a Mazda CX-3 or a CX-5, the Toyota CR-V, uh, uh, sorry, the, the Honda CR-V mm -hmm. or the Toyota RAV4. You didn't right. want any of those. Right. Yeah. And you bought this for thirty grand. Brand new. Yeah. Yeah. And it feels like a car from 
at least five years ago. Or spending the same amount of money. You didn't go one or two or three years older, mm-hmm. slightly used, get something, anything, nicer, bigger, faster, any category of car or SUV for thirty grand, and you have a plethora of choice in that okay. category. Okay, Mercedes uh, GLA 45 AMG for thirty grand. Done. 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 The, I, I, I actually, <laughs> I, I, to its credit, though, I actually looked. Here is one thing I actually like about it. There's a long list of things I don't. Here's one thing I actually like about it. Okay. I do think it's some of the sportiest tuning I've ever encountered for a CVT transmission. Okay. It is amazingly eager all the time. I've been in Toyota products, Honda products, lots of other people that do CVTs, Nissan products. It it hunts before it finds anything that is a sporty ratio. This thing has, by the way, a very awkward way to put it into sport. You have you put it into drive, that's eco mode. You slide the thing to the side, that's sport. By the way, it's a lot of cars do the slide to the side. This is really obnoxious, difficult uh, gear shift. It's it's the notchy notch. It's it's Mercedes not from the. From 80s. the eighties, yeah, exactly. So it's that and technology. What Lexus is doing now, and yeah, but it's it's much worse than Lexus is doing. Yes. Now. Anyway, yes. it's like the there's like eight inches of travel on <laughs> on, on the on the gear shift. It's yeah. it's crazy. There there is. So anyway, but so you slide it way over into sport. You have no paddles, no way to tell it what gear to be in. But in that sport setting, I will admit, I think it is the most eager CVT I have ever encountered, which makes you go, oh, it's got a little bit of pat. It really doesn't, but it's very eager. The, it is. The, the ratio that it picks is very aggressive that gets you actual, like, grunt comparatively. But yeah. it's wrapped in this package where I'm just like, you spent how much on this? Well, I hate to say it. And it's their best-selling vehicle. I'm just – I'm yeah. baffled by this. I'm I'm grinding my teeth over here too. And if you own one, I'm I'm wondering why. I think we're both wondering why. And here's why. I propose the thought to you, and I'm now proposing this idea to everyone listening, mm-hmm. and that is what if car companies – continued to make the same cars mm. they didn't well maybe they changed them a little bit sheet metal here a little bit this there but i recognize so many parts in this car that's a 2019 car mm-hmm. i recognize them in your car directly directly and so that off told me that mitsubishi mm-hmm. has the tooling done and paid for yep yep for a long time to come so mm-hmm. the, the rotary knobs for the mm-hmm. hvac the window switches the gear shift lever yep. parts yep. of the steering wheel Everything mm-hmm. in there, I think some seat, uh, the the base seat platform is there. It's just different materials. Yep, I agree. It's all there. It's all the tooling's paid for. And so mm-hmm. let's just mm-hmm. kind of dress it up in a little bit different material and kick it right back out the door. Now, if you're an MBA, that just makes good business sense. Yeah, yeah. But if you're a car enthusiast or you want higher sales, but Mitsubishi has now kind of disproven this. Mitsubishi, I think, is now in this arena, this this mysterious celestial weird place (laughs) between leaving amazing sports cars behind Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and go uh, trying to figure themselves out they Mm -hmm. have not figured themselves out right now which is why they're using old parts Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so they've got to maintain sales they've They've got to keep something out there the u.s market they've said okay we want to still sell cars Mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. we still got to keep the dream alive somehow But they're still trying to figure themselves out. They're part of the Renault-Nissan group as far as ownership. Yeah. But they've got this brand. What do we, what do, we do? What do we? It just feels like a collection of, of parts. Mm-hmm. It's just, okay, we need disc well, brakes. old parts. We'll put disc brakes on. And, oh, we need a steering rack, and we'll put a steering rack on. And we need, it's just like the, the base parts yeah. of any meal or anything is mm-hmm. what they did for this car. And so, of course, it's not compelling, but I'm wondering – what what the headspace is of, of Mitsubishi. Where are they going? They've, they've mm-hmm. not introduced any, hey, there's this one thing on this new car. The rest of it's old, but there's this one thing that tells you the direction of where we're Look going. Look where we're headed. There, there isn't any there indicator isn't. where they're headed. It, it, looks, it, it drives and looks, with the exception of the CVT, which I will give, give kudos again, in a world that, <laughs> hate, that I, where CVT. I hate CVTs. I, wow. But, but anyway, it, 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 feels, like, it feels like a company looking backwards. I agree with that. And, 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 and to back up your point... Think about Subaru, their product line in 2010, and their mm-hmm. product line now. They have gone through some major changes Absolutely. in the engines that they use, yeah. the styling design that they use, and their interiors to a huge degree. Yeah. Subaru and Mitsubishi, at the time that they, the Evo and STI were being made, they were Pepsi and Coke. 
Absolutely. So now we have Mitsubishi who feels, based on this car, like they're still living in 2010, and Subaru who has found a direction and a styling idea, and it has changed a lot of things. Now, I'm not saying the money is equivalent, but here's the thing. Fuji Heavy Industries, large company. Mitsubishi, huge they're company. big. Huge company. It's just they don't sell very many cars. Mm-hmm. So this is a weird animal. If I it agree. Was, if it was 21 grand, I'd be like, okay, it's 30 I don't even see it as good for, you know, college kids or college students, you know, because parents want new technology, they want a number of airbags, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff, but there's plenty of get a slightly 2-year-old golf or well, something at that 30 grand. All the other stuff I mentioned, all those 5 seat SUVs, CUVs have come to play. All of them have. If this was one of the genius moves of the Fiesta ST is that you could actually go buy a new one for Twenty-one grand. Mm-hmm. So not only did you get a really cool enthusiast car, look at how cheap I got this thing. If this Outlander Sport, inexplicably the same name <laughs> as the larger car. Anyway, if this Outlander Sport were twenty grand or twenty-one grand, I get you. I get you. But at thirty grand, you've got so much competition. What did you bring? And a Agreed. lively CVT isn't going to do it. Agreed. But the Fiesta ST actually put engineering and engineering geometry into this car to make it something more than the base model is. Absolutely, yeah. yeah something yeah. vastly different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Not just okay, we increase the power by turning up and the put boost. on an ST badge, yeah, and a little wing. Anyway, yeah, they, they actually changed a lot they of. Did, big they, time. So they poured engineering resources mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. manufacturing into this. Not what Mitsubishi has done here, and now they've got backing. But I think the the powers that be at that conglomerate have not figured out what they want that brand to be. But they're unwilling yeah. to just kill it completely or bring back cool sports cars. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Steve Urban has a completely different question. We'll get off that rant. He has a completely different question. Yeah. OBD two readers. All cars have them since ninety seven. Uh, this is where they just so you know. This is where they took and they centralized or they. Um, made a standard listing for this code on all cars means this has gone wrong. Mm-hmm. That's what your OBT mm-hmm. uh, port is. So he says, do we use readers or apps to actually read this? Do we think this is necessary and worth the money? Steve, there's a million ways to do this. You can do the little Bluetooth port that goes to your phone. You can do actual the readers. It's got a cable and, and a little uh, thing that I actually have. You can do the Cobb uh, access ports. You can do this a million different ways. I, I'm going to answer this, this question two different ways. One, I think everybody should have one of these readers in their garage. Because if your car throws a code, mm. check engine light code is the is the best one. Check engine light is this big scary code where you're like, oh, is the engine gonna fall out of the car? No, it's not, by the way. <laughs> it can but it but that check engine light code is just a little light that comes on. But the OBD reader will tell you it's this. It's your O2 sensor or whatever it is. Okay, this is what's gone wrong. I think everybody should have the ability, not necessarily to play mechanic, but to be able to plug it in and be like what are you telling me is wrong? So then you can go to your mechanic and you can just say, yeah, I, I, the code says it's this. I don't think there's anything wrong with having that. The step beyond that is a lot of people, a lot of enthusiasts will keep one plugged in all the time, giving them a bunch of extra info. Mm. I think that can get a little nuts. It's almost yeah. like you've added an yeah. extra phone to your car where you're obsessed with all the codes that it's giving you at any point in time. Drive the car. Sometimes your car is tuned, but then an inch of its life, it's all you need all that information at all times because it just might blow up. I get that. But if you're, if you're short of that, plug it in when there's a problem. Don't use it otherwise. <laughs> all right. doll 96 is going to the Porsche and Mercedes Museums in Stuttgart this oh, summer. I saw this, yeah. Any particular sites, restaurants, or places that we suggest going to see in Stuttgart or things that shouldn't be missed in the two museums? Mm. If you haven't been to the museums, I, I don't want to spoil anything for you. They're very cool. I would say budget more time than you think you will mm-hmm, for, for mm-hmm. both museums, as a matter of fact. And the cafe in the Porsche Museum. You don't have to eat in the restaurant, which is called Christophorus, but the, the cafe, and you have to get a latte with the, the sugar and... You know, two sugars in your latte. You don't have to, but and the pastries there are just brilliant and delicious. And then you can look straight in the glass windows and watch the restoration shop while you're having a little snack right there before you you go up the stairs to go into the museum. Lovely, and then be sure to bring extra money for (laughs) gift shop. Exit exit through the gift shop. Yes, (laughs) and the Porsche dealership is right across the street from the museum, and the factory is across the street, actually across the roundabout from that. So, if you want a factory tour, but then if you want to go see the Cayman and the Panamera that's in Leipzig and but anyway, nine eleven tour <laughs> is right there. Just saying, spend the time, plan for the time. I will say because you're going to want to soak the it up. The Mercedes Museum is incredibly cool, 
And I, yeah, I think that that's is. the one that, that will is. take you longer than you expect because that's the one where you take these crazy-looking elevators. They almost seem like steampunk elevators. They're awesome. All the way to the top floor, and you start there, and you circle your way down. Yeah. And they've done a really good job of not only showing on – now, Porsche is a hardcore enthusiast museum. Look at our cool cars. Sure. Here's what sure. they won. Here's what they revolutionary. That's all we're about. Mercedes has made so many interesting products in different areas, all of which have wheels. Mm-hmm. Plus, they are taking credit for we started all this, which is an interesting history as well. Okay, <laughs> they do that, they do hit, hit you, that you, with you? You step off the elevator, and it's like here's a horseless carriage. Uh-huh. Now we're starting something. Yeah. What's interesting about yeah. what they do is they actually have done a really good job of making it a bigger than cars museum because they have they really put you in historically they put you in the headspace of the time period, and then they say here's our product during that time. I did not expect that approach. It's actually very cool. And, and the lattes, money for lattes, money for lattes. There's Just there's insane. your shirt. Keep the yeah. espresso coming. Massive thanks. We got to bail, guys. Really, really appreciate all the questions. Keep asking them. We're definitely looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.